Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, placing the table. This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. It is a foggy, Portland Marathon-y Sunday morning. Go and runners. we got the show at 9 to 11. It was supposed to be 8 to 10. I got that sh- uh, switched. Thought you were going to say something else. I almost said something else. I got it switched. <laughs> Talk to her before Jesse, is, start is the me. delay on? Yeah, did you put the delay on? That would have been really bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, I probably should do that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, been bad. Got that S switched. So we are on at the normal time, 9 to 11. There is a NFL game over on 9-10. There is an NFL game here, and then the two play- playoff baseball games are over on 9-10 later today as well um we got so much stuff for you on the show today yeah there's a there's a, there's a lot going on we we of course have our fantasy scramble at 9 30 which we'll get to if you have any fantasy starts or questions text them in better you today text line 55305 uh the ducks and beeves both won in very different fashions in very different types of games uh russell wilson is an absolute magician thursday night football was a great game against the rams seahawks still should have lost that game but uh, they did not, and Russell Wilson was spectacular. We'll talk about that. We've got the Hated or Love It segment coming up at 1030, and uh, another good week in the NFL. So the show is loaded, completely and utterly loaded. Very, very excited to 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 do it. But I wanted to start with the Portland Marathon because we drove past it on the way in today. Which, is, which is rare. Very rare. Usually it completely interrupts us getting in to work. Uh, it's I don't know if it's usually the Portland Marathon. There's races that are always down here on the South Waterfront that – block the entrance to the radio station every year every year at least twice that happens and we've we've told the story of Rashad being told he couldn't come in and he had to somehow find a way around whereas the cop told me I could come in so you know say what you want about that <laughs> that's a different show that's a different show but that that has happened uh before and I don't know where I saw this I'm not sure what alerted me to it but the I saw somewhere on social media, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, Portland Marathon this Sunday. I went, oh, okay. You know, that's never affected us before. It's usually more in, like, the downtown area and and up in the northeast area. And it said, new route. And I went, oh, crap. (laughs) As soon as you sent it to us, I was like, really? Well, so I I, I looked at the route, and this was before I did any sort of digging, and the route went right down McAdam. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) And this is a marathon. It's not like a bike race. It's not like a 5K. They're not letting cars through a marathon route. Like, that's not – people have times they're trying to hit. It's a race. You're not You're not going to let cars through. And I went, I, I 
Oh, God. So I texted Jesse and Rashad, and I go, just so you know, might be best to leave a little bit earlier than normal Sunday morning because we're going to have to try to find a way in to get to the station because the marathon route is running right down the waterfront. And I said, darn. That's not what you said, but uh, you said something along the lines yeah. of darn. Started with an F, though. <laughs> yeah. Fudge. I actually did not send anything that was uh, air okay. No, no, he did not. So that was really upsetting. So I started doing some research. I was looking on the Portland Marathon website, and uh, it took a little while, but it was like, if you're going into this neighborhood, click here to see how it affects your daily routine. And I went, okay. So I clicked on South Waterfront or South Portland, and it actually gave everybody instructions. It's like, if you have to get to this neighborhood on Sunday morning, this is how you get in. And I was like, thank you, Portland Marathon. Other races just plop on down without saying anything and block the entire route into the neighborhood. Yeah, we appreciate that because I came in and found out that I could actually get in free and clear, no yes. problem. And saw that, man, that made it a good news day. I'm waving at the runners and everything. Hey, have I, a good race. I know. I, I drove by and I was like, wow, I yeah, could do go this get one em. day. Probably yeah. not, but I could try. I <laughs> I you mean, know what? The I'd runners really are running pretty shape. slow. I don't know what mile marker that is in the race where we were running by them. It was on, um, I think it's called just Hood Avenue up there. It's the it's the if you're on Five South and you get off the Lake Oswego exit, it's up on that little ramp before could, you go down to McAdam. Could you do a 5K today? Yes, Jesse. Thousand percent. Good. Absolutely. 5K is only three miles though, so that's not. Yeah, give me a 10K, bro. Yeah, I could do a could 10K. You? I could probably do a 10K, too. Okay. Yeah. I've been training. I'm doing a five-mile run in November, so I've been doing some uh, some training. Is that why you look like Sprague? I do not look like Sprague. You're getting there, man. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're about to be real skinny here in a little that's, bit. That's not true at Yeah, all. that's going to be I yeah. like food way too much to be too skinny. I'm but... looking at you, man. I'll, you need a steak sandwich now, bro. Uh, I'll have a sandwich later. Thank you. But uh, I could do a 10K now, too. Marathon, no. Uh, Half I'm, marathon, no. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I don't, I don't think my knees could take a 10K. You do a 5K, three miles? Yes. Without yes. a doubt. No, three miles? Absolutely. Without stopping? Three miles is three miles is far, but three not miles, so Three miles far. is longer yeah. than non-runners think. No, absolutely not. And I don't think you run. I mean, I don't run regularly, but okay. I mean, I'm in okay shape. No, no, I'm not can, saying you're yeah. not in good shape. I'm just saying it's different to be no, a runner yeah. and not a runner. No, absolutely. No, you're right. But I think three, I think three miles is right around the points where it's like okay i could make it that far i think i think most in normal shape people could make a three mile run yes however if you do not run at all you probably could not make a three mile run because no, your body you're is not a, used to you're it. making a mile even maybe. if you're in good shape if you're not a runner i don't i'm not sure you could make it without really struggling it's no tough. no it's it i'm not gonna say it wouldn't be a struggle like well you know that that little part on your side would start to hurt a little bit. A side cramp. Yeah, yeah it'd be a nice little side well, that's cramp. That's why you don't eat before you run. Yeah. yeah, no. So, yeah, I can make it three, three K. Five K. Three K would be like one and a half. I said miles. what I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was, I was watching the runners go, and they were actually, their pace was quite slow at that point. So, I mean, that could just be people just completing it to complete it. I'm not sure what grouping it was when we, when I drove past this morning. Uh, it was not the elite runners. I'll tell you that. And it made me feel a little bit better about myself. I was like, you know what? You know what? If I ever get into better shape and better running shape, I could probably do this once in my life. Yeah, those aren't the people I saw. They were jacked, the ones that I was driving past. And were they just like yeah. full arm movement? Yeah, they were completely. They were moving. Now, mind you, there was a nice little trot going on, but I was like, man, look at that definition. Look at those calves, man. I wish. I you mean, have I, huge calves. I do though, have man. huge. 
I don't know. You have like Hulk Hogan size this is, calves. This is another. We're gonna have another tangent before the start of the show. Apologies, but the it happens. This the souk the souk effect is real. So he did a video that we posted on his Twitter and and the fan Twitter. This was probably like two months ago now, and he highlighted how gigantic my calves are, and I have very large calves. Yes, um, he put it on on the video. I have heard from like nine people in the office since then impressed and or terrified about the size of my calves. And I'm like, I don't, what? okay. I don't have any control over this. It's just that this is my body. Yeah, they're Stop massive. Stop body shaming me. Oh, they're massive. Like, I don't mean to make you insecure about your calves. I'm not insecure. They're awesome. But like some people are like, that's so weird. And I'm like, stop body shaming me. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't call it weird. Call it unusual. <laughs> Gee, thanks. That makes me feel so much better. Well, it's better than weird, right? <laughs> no, it's the same as weird. No, it's that's different. a synonym it's, of weird. It sounds it sounds much better than than weird. It's got no, strong I, legs, bro. It's got strong legs. I do, do you, have I have tree trunks as legs, and uh, I don't know why. It's always been the. I'm just a big guy. I don't know. It's always been the case. No, you are a big. I think people underestimate how big you actually are. You know, you hear your voice and everything. You think you might be a tall guy, but when I first saw you at, at Hunt for the Host, which dang, almost five years ago, like. You were a giant. I was like, you're, geez, you're my, everybody's usually short. Like, you know, you, you'll meet. Everyone's usually yeah, short. Typically, yeah. You'll, you'll meet like dirt or, you know, Sprague isn't super, super tall. And, you know what I'm saying? Rop's not super, super tall. But, you know, he's a big guy. Souk is a big dude. And then you see Lynch. It's like, geez, man. I'm even bigger. I'm not that much bigger than Souk, but I am bigger than That's Souk. what I'm saying. Like, and he's called, his name is Big Souk. So, well, people in college called me Big Mike. So, I mean, well, I, it was, it was a nickname that I had. I'm going to call you Big Mike from now on as well. Please do not. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to stick. Big it's, Mike. No, stop. I don't. <laughs> I like it. It rolls off the tongue. It does roll off the tongue. It's easy to say. I'm assuming that's why I was called Big Mike. But then I lost a bunch of weight after college, and then I was, my friends called me slightly less Big Mike. Yeah, medium Mike? <laughs> there we go. No, because I'm still tall and wide-shouldered, but I just wasn't 310 pounds or whatever it was. So 310. Oh, man. Yeah. I was, I was big. I didn't really work out, and I ate a lot. Yeah. You know, we'll call you Medium Mike. I like it better. All right. That Get makes, at him that makes at me Medium Mike on Twitter. That's not my Twitter handle. Uh, at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Rashad Zett, Taylor made 503, and Jesse Zett, Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N-C. I made that a transition. Very good. Let's go next to college football before we get into the fantasy scramble. Ducks win. Uh, not the most convincing win. Beavers win. Very convincing win against UCLA. Two wins for the Oregon teams. We'll discuss next here on Football Sunday on the Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 9.15 on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad, Jesse with you till 11 o'clock today. We will start with college football as we always do before we get into our fantasy scramble next segment. If you have fantasy football starts to questions, text them in now. Better are you today. Text line 55305. You can also... Uh, send them to our Twitters. I'm at Mike Lynch 27. Rashad's at TaylorMade503. Jesse's at Jesse Osmond. A-S-Z-M-A-N. But we will start with the college football games that mattered here in the Northwest, and that would be the Oregon and Oregon State games. Where would you like to start with the Ducks or the Beavs? Uh, let's start with the Ducks. Why not? Okay. Oregon 
13th ranked Oregon Ducks gets their win over Cal at home. Going into the weekend, I think most people thought the Ducks would win pretty easily. Devin Mobster was the quarterback for Cal. He's their backup. And um, he looked terrible last week after, um, I'm going to forget the name of the starting quarterback, apologies, for Cal got hurt, landed on his shoulder really awkwardly, and he came in and just looked awful. And you're like, oh, okay, Ducks will easily win this game. Instead, what the Ducks decided to do was shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly in the first half. You got Justin Herbert's first interception of the season and first interception in quite some time. You had uh, you had Die fumbling the ball twice in the first half, Travis Die, and three turnovers when you had only had two the entire season up until that. You gave up your first defensive touchdown in the first half all year and in three games, first touchdown on defense, and you're down seven nothing at halftime, and you're going, uh, "Hello, Oregon." I know Cal's defense is good, but this is this is not a game you should be losing right now with Monster quarterback. Second half starts. Uh, frankly, it still wasn't very pretty, but Oregon's defense was as good as we we thought it would be from quarter two through two on. Uh, after that first touchdown drive, they barely gave up any yards the rest of the game. So it, all it took for Oregon was just a couple of scores, which is what they got. Habibi Likio got a rushing touchdown. Justin Herbert a short touchdown pass to Jalen Red, and a 17-7 win. So I. I'm kind of curious, and if, if you're out there listening and you're a Ducks fan, I'm curious what Ducks fans thought of the win because it was a win over a 4-1 and one Cal Bear team that had fallen out of the rankings for no reason after losing their first game last week. Which was super, super strange. Super weird. Okay. Um, you know, you won the game. You saw some positives. You got wide receivers back healthy. Micah Pittman in his first game as a freshman looked good. Uh, you had Brendan Schooler return. Juwan Johnson suited up, but didn't play. So, you know, you're still, you're getting healthier. Wide receivers looked a little bit better, but all in all, a lot of stupid penalties that pushed you back in drives. Those three turnovers in the first half were bad. And you only scored 17 points again. Your offense still just not clicking fully again. So I'm curious if you're happy you got away with the win in a game that started off so ugly, or if you're upset that the offense still just doesn't show any teeth in these kind of games. I'm sure I'm sure they're ha- clearly happy that you got the win, you know, because at the end of the day, you did play a really good Cal team. Like, I mean, uh, even with uh, Devin Mostert at the quarterback position, Cal's still a very good defensive team. You know, the one thing we know is Justin Wilcox has coached them up to be incredibly competitive. Wilcox and is doing a great job He's been. He's there. doing, I mean, if you're looking at a, a coach of the year candidate and everything, the, there it is right there. You, you tell me somebody that's, kind of more overperformed with the roster that they have than Justin Wilcox in the Pac-12. You know, I mean, maybe maybe you can look at Herm Edwards. <clears throat> Arizona's 4-1. and one. Yeah, and the job that he's done. Four, I think 5-1 now? Yeah, I believe so. I think with the, those two guys are the ones that you would probably have to look at as far as coach of the year. But this offense is just, you know they can put up points. You know, you saw them put up points against Auburn. You know, now mind you, it was what, 20 two points was it 20 something points against Auburn good first half yeah it was it was a pretty good first half and then second half was just a a no-show um you obviously you saw them put up points against Nevada and and so you were expected (laughs) to put up 100 you know exactly you know but against these good teams against these you know these conference teams they've struggled you know you you struggle against Stanford okay you were on the road and so you're just happy to get out of there with the win you know you struggle against Cal, but, you know, Cal's a pretty good team. I think we just put so much light on it because it's it's Oregon, and you're so used to them scoring 40 points by the half and then 70 points overall, and now that that's not there, I think people are weird about it. But the, the, the crazy thing is 
when Alabama beats Arkansas 17, you know, 17 to 7, nobody says anything about that. You know, they kind of keep it moving. It's just, that's just a tough win for Alabama, right? They just went out there and did their thing against a, against a team that's not very good. And But everybody kind of just – the wins are the only thing that matter is all I'm saying. And I think right now for Oregon and for Cristobal, the wins are the only thing that matter. Arroyo is is – I don't know what to say about his play calling anymore. It went from, I'm behind you, I get it. Like, I mean, you just don't have the the horses to work with a lot of times to, yeah, now it's the, you're trying to be vanilla, not even vanilla ice cream. Like vanilla. You're not trying. Frozen, he just, he's vanilla. Frozen yogurt, like light vanilla frozen yogurt. And nobody with wants no that. With no toppings. And not even no a second anything. mixed flavor. And they give you the little wooden spoon. Who goes to a Froyo place and only gets one flavor? Yeah, and it's that one. And it's the sugar-free, less fat version right. of what you know that this team could really be. And might I think as well we just all, drink milk. You might as well. Just give me a, some 1% milk. Look, milk that. is good, but... Milk is good, but, I mean, if you're a 1% drinker... I'd rather then, have ice cream. Yeah, and right now you, you have uh, <laughs> you have Justin Herbert. You know, you have the cherry on top right there. Like, you should be able to move the ball however you want to, even considering you still you have some receiver issues. Okay, man, Jacob Breeland still was able to come up with 87 yards yesterday. Michael Pittman was able to come up with 43 yards off of four receptions yesterday. You've got people that can do the job for you. I feel like you just have him on this leash and you're not really letting him be himself. Now, mind you, he got to throw the ball 33 times yesterday. But you can still see that there is – There's such a focus on the run game. But And my thing is, why? Like I, I understand that, but – well, let, let your let your guy do what he does. We got a te- we got a couple of texts. I'll get to here in a second. Better you today text line five five three zero five. Text your thoughts about the Ducks win yesterday. Seventeen seven over Cal. Just awkward play calling again. I think the lack of a primetime running back is really hurting the offense. But take the win any day. I can't tell if Herbert's overrated or if the OC is that bad. Uh, Herbert is not overrated. I I think some Oregon fans are really kind of starting to throw that out there based on this year's performance. Guy. He's not overrated. He's a fantastic quarterback. He has not necessarily showed up in all the big moments yet, but in terms of the skill set and his arm strength and his ability to to accurately throw passes in the right spot, he is not an overrated quarterback. I think the OC is just that bad. I don't think Marcus Arroyo is cut out to be a Pac-12 offensive coordinator. He might be better in a, in a different conference or at a smaller level or whatever. I don't think he's cut out to be a Pac-12 offensive coordinator, in my opinion. Uh, I, I was willing to give him an opportunity this season to prove me wrong because last year nobody liked what he did and yes they're winning games but every single week you leave with question marks about the offense so I also agree though that the lack of a primetime running back is really hurting yes you've got an incredible offensive line although they've had some injury issues the last couple of weeks uh and you've got CJ Verdell and and Travis Dye running behind it and I'm sorry neither are just not that good and and they're fine running backs but when you're used to having Jonathan Stewart and LaMichael James and LeGarrette Blunt and Byron Marshall. And I'm just, you know, throw, go all down the list of every Oregon running back in the last 10 years. You don't have that right now. So imagine having Jonathan Stewart. And I say him because he's more of a bruising running back than like LaMichael James behind this offensive line. Oh my God, it would be a dream. Oh, but yeah. you've got CJ Verdell and Travis die. And they're just, they're sophomores. So they've got room to improve still, but they're just not at that level that you had and Mario Cristobal wants to create this big ground-and-pound running offense that utilizes the run to set up the pass. But when you don't have a guys that you can trust in Verdell and Die, then you're kind of stuck. So I feel like with Arroyo, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, but I feel like you could be doing so much more with Herbert as well. No, yeah, there's – there's, you're not afraid of the run game from Oregon. You know, you know there's a guy that might be able to break out and, you know, get loose for 
a long run, but for the most part, you're not afraid of the ground, the quote-unquote ground and pound from Oregon. You don't, you don't have the guys to be able to do that. And you're right, man, not having a LaMichael James and a Kenyon Barner and some of those guys in the backfield, it's, it's hurt you right now. And all of a sudden, you see where the holes are. You know, when Mariota was gone and you first had to, you know, deal with the – and Vernon Adams was good, but I can't remember who the quarterback after – Oh, Adams was. wasn't uh, it? There was another transfer from Montana. Oh, my God. I can't Jesse, remember. you're the Ducks family. Prukop. Yeah, Prukop. Dakota Prukop. Yeah, Dakota Prukop. And, you know, that clearly didn't work no. very well. And so, but you saw where the hole was. You still had Royce Freeman, right? You still had somebody that can get loose for you and be able to do some things and still break all the records. But you could see where the holes were. Right now, you have the good, you have the best quarterback, arguably, in the country. I think Jalen Hurts and Tua would probably, you know, have something to say. Uh, about that but then this running back position which has always been so great for you also the receiver position you know we we forget about Dwayne Stafford and and uh guys like Jeff Mayo and just these game breakers that you can put in there and say man just go get me a, make, make a play for Rashad me, loves Dwayne Stanford every I, he time was he really, brings up good receivers he, he always was so good Jeff Mayo was my guy yeah, Jeff Mayo was Mail amazing time. you know what I'm saying you had guys that you can say man you know what? I, we need a play we need we need seven yards right now. Can you get it for me? Give me the ball, and it would happen. Farrell Brown, like you had people that like, man, get me the ball, and things will work out for you. Right now, I just don't see any of those guys you don't on have the Dylan offense. Mitchell anymore either. You don't have Dylan Mitchell right now, so you just don't have any of those guys you can turn to and say, bro, can you do this? Although Mike can Pittman you... looked great yesterday, uh, yeah, I, he was I think good. The, he was really the receiving good. core is First starting one. to maturate. You're starting to see guys step up, and they're definitely playing better than they did last season. Johnny Johnson's kind of stepping into that Dylan Mitchell role too. Right. He's open a lot. So I, I think, right? I mean, I think what for the ground game is going to be, I, you know, they're trying a different type of offense than what we've been used to here at Oregon, and so you, it requires a different kind of back than what we've recruited for years you know um this would be more of like a a good offense for a guy like jonathan stewart who's big and tough and he's got a, you know Garrett blunt exactly and we don't have those Punching guys Boise right State now. players and all so you know we start getting that talent in here and we the way we're recruiting i don't doubt that we're going to start getting that type of back in here you're going to start seeing a power game we already see that at the very least, we have some talent behind Justin Herbert now that, you know, maybe there is future behind. The The only problem I have moving forward is the offensive line is also basically graduating. Yeah. Right? So if you want to set up this great run run game and you still don't have the running back necessarily and the offensive line is going to get worse. Now, Tyler Shuck might be good. He's good, certainly going to be better than Braxton Burmeister looked. He looked better in his short action early in the year. Um, he's not going to have the same offensive line, and that's going to be interesting to watch next year. But that's for next year. A couple of texts before we break. Uh, just, or sorry, uh, where did it go? There it is. Mixed day for Oregon. You beat Cal, but the blue chip lost credibility was shaken by Auburn losing to Florida. Huskies lost again to uh, good home state day, but a terrible conference day. Yeah, the Huskies losing to Stanford is a really bad look, and that was really kind of a, it was a really bad loss, but also I can't say it was unpredictable. I mean, it's the Pac-12, right? How many times does a random team you think is going to obviously lose that game beat a ranked team? It happens all the time in the Pac-12. Um, Arroyo is the weak link. Unleash Herbert. 100% agree. Love, love, love the defense. Love the offensive philosophy. Hate the offensive scheme. Doesn't like the pistol. Overall, happy to be 4-1. and one. No real complaints. That's from P1, Daryl. Can't this text disagree says, with that. It doesn't even seem like Oregon's vaunted offensive line is getting a great push. Yeah, sometimes it is a little bit weird. 
you know, you, you know how good they are. And against Auburn, they actually look great, the offensive line. But throughout the year, it almost feels like they've, they've, they've regressed a tiny bit. And maybe it's just because the expectations are so high. But, yeah. My, my favorite text here is the uh, Ducks offense has as much imagination as a 98 Degrees reunion concert. 98 Degrees is the worst of the boy bands. Of they course don't, it was. They don't dance. They don't have catchy, memorable songs. They don't do any. Have you seen that one commercial? I don't know what it is. I think it's an insurance commercial where the boy band comes it's out so there hilarious. and they're just stuck in one spot singing. That's what I feel like the Ducks are doing. They're, I love they're that not. Commercial. They're not moving. They're just in one spot doing the same thing over and over and over again. They're expecting a different result. And and if you look, if you look at the scores that the Ducks are putting up, they're just getting progressively worse and worse and worse as far as the scoring output. Every Some of week. it depends on the defenses. I mean, Cal no, yeah. is a great so, defense. Yeah, but so. Stanford's defense is, you know. It's okay. Fine. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, they put up 21, 17. How much are they going to score next week? 14? I, I think you're being a little dramatic in that I'm, just, I'm just I saying. Mean, I'm just, they put up 17 and a half. This, this team did not look good coming out of the bye. They were not ready to play Pac-12 football coming weird. out of the bye. It is weird. And and I think that's also start part of the – you still have a young head coach that's still learning his job, and part of that is learning how to get your kids to play, and these are still kids, to play out of a bye. And not to mention, it's like, okay, Cal's not ranked anymore. You saw how they lost last week. Maybe you're not taking them as serious. I Honestly, this is one of those games where it was a classic trap game where Oregon really honestly could have easily lost. And You're playing a backup quarterback. And duh, like the, the excuses as to how Oregon could have overlooked them um, mounted. And, and honestly, it kind of looked in that first half like they did. And it took a halftime speech from a senior linebacker to get him to focus and realize if they don't play Oregon football in the second half, they're going to lose to Cal and they played Oregon football and they look better and they put 17 in the half. So you, you, what's, what's funny is Joey Harrington this week on primetime said he was more worried about the Oregon game against Cal this week than he was after Cal won the week before he was more worried after Cal lost last week. Right. And uh, we saw why, because there was a bit more of an energy from Cal. And also after the bye week, you, you would hope you would get a team ready to go. But sometimes it takes the foot off the gas. Pedal All I know bit. is you play a team next week in Colorado that has a quarterback that's incredibly capable of putting up points no matter how he wants to. He they have the best good, wide receiver in the nation. They have a good they, have, they beat a good Arizona State team. They beat a good Nebraska ranked Arizona State and a ranked Nebraska team this year. They put up 51 points on, or on 52 points of Colorado State, man. Please believe Steven Montez is coming to play. So hopefully the offensive coordinator is ready to let Justin Herbert do something next week. All right. We're going to get into the fantasy scramble next, but I want to start uh, with the Oregon State win before we dive into your questions. So text the fantasy scramble or text the better you today text line. That's where you're texting. 55305 with your start sick questions. We'll get to them a little bit into the segment, but I do want to give some love to the Beavs for beating UCLA. So we'll get to that and our fantasy questions next. First, Jesse S. Sports Center. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. And the only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. All right, text in those fantasy starts to questions to the Better You Today text line 55305. We already got a bunch we're going to get to, uh, but I wanted to start before we dive into that. I don't want to just shove the beefs to the last segment of the show because we didn't have time in the last segment, so I do want to talk about the game a little bit. 
before we get into the fantasy questions. Oregon State with a 48-31 to 31 win over UCLA. They were up 27-10 to 10 at halftime. It was an even second half. Jake Luton threw for five touchdown passes. Isaiah Hodgins is an absolute monster. What a get for the Beavs, by the way. Hodgins is good. Microphone. We on? Okay. Cool. You are on. I am on. No, yeah. Uh, you were doing a swag. Absolutely. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty good uh, outing for, for Hodgins, man. He was, who knew? Like, I mean, well, hope, hopefully everyone, but this kid, man, was, was really, really stinking good. 123 yards, 10 receptions, three touchdowns, like from the receiver position. That's like, you don't, you very seldom do you see a guy, you know, that played receiver get over two touchdowns in a game, right? Like two touchdowns as a wide receiver is an awesome game. Yeah. You know, two touchdowns as a quarterback is a really good game, you know. So, so to see this guy go over 100 yards, double-digit catches, three touchdowns, you know, that's – and it wasn't like he beat anybody on like a really long pass. Like, there was no 60-yard bomb that, that gave him that. You know, just the, consistent. The long, just consistent down the field, man. Give it to your playmaker and see what you can make happen. Jake Luton, this is the best game I've seen him play ever. Oh, for sure. This is this is on the road uh, at UCLA. You know, I think I think it was a game you were supposed to win if you're Oregon State, but yet because it's Oregon State, there were still fears they would find a way to lose it, a la Wazoo, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the one thing we know is th- their offense works. You know, it's been working. I, it's it's funny. Not right now. We're talking about Oregon's struggles on offense, and Oregon and Oregon State's off awesome offensive output like that's what we end up talking about every week like man they know how to score they just can't stop anybody yeah they still can't stop anybody by the way no they still can't stop anyone and ucla was able to put up 31 points but man hell oregon state put up 48 so man they win the key the key for this was dorian thompson Robinson was out for ucla uh the the guy they had throwing his name was austin burton uh he threw for 236 yards and a touchdown but his average completion was 5.8 yards i mean the, the definition of dink and dunk now, UCLA ran the ball at will, 256 rushing yards in the game. Granted, they also carried it 48 times. So Oregon State's defense is still safe. They, they didn't get any turnovers. They did have uh, a couple of sacks in the game, three sacks total. Also eight tackles for loss. So, I mean, they were – the defense is improving slowly. You're seeing improvements every single week. Um, I think it's hard to take a lot out of a game against UCLA because of just how bad they are this year. But it was great to see the Beebs win when you thought they should win. Right. Oh, yeah. Last week was a game against Stanford where I thought the Beavs should have won that game. They didn't. And I think there was also a bit of that moment of like, well, it was Stanford. So I guess you understand. But I was disappointed in Oregon State last week for losing to that to the Cardinal. This was a game you have a chance to win. It might be the last chance you have to win on the schedule. And you took full advantage of it. And I'm very happy for Oregon State fans that they got a chance to watch that. And Look, I, I say this every week, and I know a lot of Beef fans hate hearing it because it, it sounds patronizing, but it's not. It's it's the reality of the situation is no matter what, you got to find a positive in, in when you're a bad team, right? And this week you have a ton of positives that you can find, and that is a great thing going into going into the rest of the season. Oh, no. you Listen, this was a big win for you. Now, you can say that they were supposed to beat UCLA, but we see ranked teams get beaten by unranked teams, you know, all the time in college football. Every single week, it, it, it basically happens. So here's a situation where Oregon State, who has a lot to play for, more so pay, playing for pride. UCLA kind of in the same boat, man, playing for pride. You know you're not going to win anything this year. This was a home game for UCLA. So they thought that they were Oregon State was going to come in and they were just going to be able to do what they were able to be, do whatever they want to. Demetric Felton 
was awesome in yesterday's game. You know, uh, 111 yards rushing and then also had 55 yards uh, receiving. Like, he was everything for UCLA. They just didn't have as much as Oregon State, if you can believe that, you know, on the other I end. I do so, believe that. Yeah, no, and you got guys like Jamar Jefferson barely touched the ball yesterday. Artavis Pierce has been huge the last two Ar- weeks. Artavis Pierce has been doing his thing, but now he looks like you have a two-headed monster, you know, quite possibly from the running back position. You've got some receivers that can do some stuff. Like, Oregon State has a lot to look forward to. You know, if they can get a couple, man, two or three great defensive players, and who knows, they might be right here in your backyard. You might have some guys, you know, right here and that go to Jesuit and Lake Oswego and Grant and all these schools that they just don't recruit from that could really help that defense and really give a boost there. So, man, who knows? I think the Beavers are in a good spot. Now, granted, you want to win more. So it feels weird saying that considering they're two and three. But, I mean, damn, whose offense would you rather have right now, Oregon State's or Oregon's? Oh, Oregon State's. But I'd much rather have Oregon's defense. And there you go. Too. And so yeah. they're, they're, that's where that's where you have to kind of trade a little bit. So, But if you're asking me right, right now whose offense is better and who's what I want, man, give me Oregon State's all day. All right. Let's get to the fantasy scramble. Text in your questions, 55305 on the Better You Today text line. We'll get to a couple here before we run into our break. First, Jarvis Landry, Browns wide receiver, or Nelson Aguilar, Eagles wide receiver. To me, um, this one, although – is a little bit scary because Landry hasn't been quite as good as we thought he would be this year. Um, I'm going to go Landry over Aguilar because Aguilar didn't even like see a target last week against Green Bay. I know he's had two big weeks. He's had two terrible weeks, but Landry at least I think offers you a solid floor where you'll get points in the game. There's is, and like last week he was huge. He had a 150 plus yards receiving. So I'm going to take Landry in this one over Aguilar. Uh, I like Jarvis Landry more than I like Nelson Aguilar. Uh, he actually had a pretty good game uh, last week, and ODB had an – yes, I call him ODB. I know you guys call him OBJ. I don't. And he had an okay uh, game, but Jarvis Landry is still um, – I think he's still not, not the number one on the team, but he's a little more familiar with Baker than Odell is. So I'm going to say Jarvis. I also – I also like to call him uh, ODB, by the way. So yeah, just, just so you know. I don't know OBJ. I, don't know. I just think that's more natural than OBJ. But um, with with that said, I'm I'm also going to give this a sweep and and say Landry. I I think that he's been the more effective receiver here for Cleveland. He's getting the deeper targets, um, so he's running the you know he's he's just got a a better opportunity. Whereas Nelson Aguilar gets a lot of really shallow targets, and you're relying on him getting up. 10 catches, guess what? He didn't get any catches last week, so unless he gets, t- like, double-digit targets, you don't really want him in your lineup, so I'm going to go Landry. This is a really tough one. Full PPR, Philip Lindsay or Stephon Diggs at the flex. Thanks again. Um, that's tough because so Stephon Diggs is unhappy in Minnesota. He is active in playing this week, but there's been talks of trading him, and, uh, you know, that doesn't matter once the game starts, right? But if he missed a bunch of practices this week, which he did, it worries me that maybe he's not going to be quite as involved in the game plan this week. You might see a lot of Adam Thielen catches this week. Uh, but the other problem is Philip Lindsay is good, not great this year, right? He's splitting carries with Royce Freeman. He's pretty touchdown reliant. Now he does catch the, the pass out of the backfield much more than Royce Freeman does. So he'll give you PPR points for sure. Um, but you also have Joe Flacco throwing those passes. So take that for what you will. This is a really tough one for me. I'm going to pull a Jesse and I'm going to say, if you are pretty confident in your matchup, I'll start Lindsay because you'll get points from him. If you need a little bit more of a high boost player, I would say Diggs because he could give you eight catches, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. 
but he hasn't been around all week. So I'm going to kind of hedge and just say, depending on your matchup, that's who you choose. You know what? I'm going to say Diggs. I think right now, because the one thing Diggs has done through this whole situation without saying it, he's completely thrown Kirk Cousins under the bus. And so basically he's called out Kirk Cousins as, a, quarter, yeah, as a quarterback. You know, both of them called us. So I think he's going to get a lot of targets today. I think Kirk Cousins is going to feel like he has something to prove as far as getting both of these guys the ball uh, as early and often. So I'm going to go Stephon Diggs. Um, man, I think just really, based off ego, he's got Kirk Cousins is going to throw a lot today. I mean, this is your classic squeaky wheel game. Guys, obviously unhappy. Vikings have come out and said they don't want to trade him and they don't expect to trade him, even though those talks, you know, are swirling around. Um, if you don't want to trade your wide receiver, what do you want to do? You probably want to make your wide receiver happy. Um, the one thing that does give me pause, I, I'm kind of along the same lines as Mike. If you want something a little safer, I think Lindsay is safer play for some reason they've been using him instead of Royce Freeman as the goal line guy even though Royce Freeman's like 60 pounds heavier they did it than last him. year too it, I think it's because he's better at finding the hole uh, it's it, it doesn't make sense there's no logical reason as to why Philip Lindsay makes is, sense to us fantasy owners it, it it doesn't make any sense it makes zero sense it makes absolutely zero sense at the NFL level that you use the smaller guy as the goal line guy with that said he has been the goal line guy um there's a lot more risk um, with Lindsay as far as a high ceiling, I think. But um, I think there's a little safer floor. But squeaky wheel game for, for Diggs. Uh, last one before we break. Pick one running back, Jordan Howard, Jalen Samuels, or Chris Thompson. To me, I'm taking Chris Thompson on this one. Now, if it's not a PPR, I'm not taking Chris Thompson. But if it is a PPR, that that is who I'm taking uh, right there. Colt McCoy is starting. I, I am not starting Chris Thompson this week because I am doing the I need a bigger ceiling play from Demarcus Robinson, the Chiefs wide receiver. Also, the guy I'm playing has uh, Patrick Holmes, so I want to steal points if he does throw the ball to, to Robinson on, on Sunday night. Uh, but Chris Thompson, I think, is a very, very good play any week right now for the Redskins because they're going to be down a lot, and he catches a ton of passes. If it's not a PPR league, then I'm going to go Jordan Howard because it's a touchdown. You know, if it's not PPR, then you're looking for touchdowns, and that's what you're going to get from Jordan Howard. So don't know what type of league it is, but those are my options for you. It's not Texas. I don't trust Colt McCoy, Jordan Howard. Uh, I'm I'm just I, – I agree with the, the it's a safe play with Chris Thompson, but he has not shown the same explosiveness that we've seen from him in the past, and part of that has to do with how putridly bad this um, – Washington team is I don't really bad I I don't want to invest in anything in this like and that includes F1 McLaurin I kind of like as good as he is like this guy has to deal with the rotating trio of crap at quarterback is that his nickname F1 McLaurin yep that's really cool yeah um so with that said I I think I'm gonna go Howard I think he's got a good matchup I think they kind of you've seen his touches increase every single week. Now they're starting to utilize him in the passing game. I think this is a guy that's getting about 66% of the touches and going against a defense that doesn't have C.J. Mosley this week. All right, we'll uh, cut, take a quick break. Coming up next, the rest of the questions. Text them in. Better you today. Text line. We'll get to as many as we can. 55305. Football Sunday on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Continuing the fantasy scramble here, 55305. Text in your fantasy start sick questions. We'll jump right back in. Non PPR league pick one in their flex. Sammy Watkins, who is playing. Auden Tate, Cincinnati. 
or DJ Chark with Jacksonville. Uh, you, you think I might go with Sammy Watkins on this one because of the high play potential, but because it's not a PPR league, I'm actually going to go with Chark. He's caught three touchdowns in four games. Uh, I know Carolina's got a good pass defense, and that will be the, the, the first true test for Minshew this year uh, as a quarterback in Jacksonville. But uh, this, this to me, is more of a gut feeling than anything else, but I'm going to take Chark out of those three options. Sammy, or Sammy Watkins uh, is loved by Patrick Mahomes. And so that's one of Patrick's favorite targets. You know, first week of the season, went to him a few times. Second game, like, he really likes Sammy Watkins. So I'm going to go ahead and say Sammy. Yeah, I, I mean, as much as I'd like DJ Chark, um, Buster Screen is the real deal. This guy is eliminating. When he used to suck, he did. He wasn't good when he came in the league. Uh, well, I mean, really he, he's been he's been growing, and at this point, he is truly elite. He's eliminating guys like Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins. He is eliminating number one wide receivers. If you want to attack this defense right now, you have to do it in the middle of the field. Uh, that means Westbrook. Um, that like, I mean. Uh, uh, Jeff Swain, like, I mean, the the outside against this defense is really tough, so I don't want to go with him. Um, Auden Tate is interesting. He is going to get the looks. Um, Non-PPR, though. But it is non-PPR. Then who's my other option? It was Chark, Sammy Watkins, and Yeah, I, I think Tate. I just, you got to tap in to that Kansas City offense, and you got to believe that it's, it's time for Watkins to find the end zone again. I, I think that is the smart play. That me picking Chark is just a gut gut call on that one. Uh, I don't want it to happen necessarily because I'm playing against Chark this week, but uh, he has been quite good for Jacksonville. Uh, wide receiver question here again. It is a non PPR league, I believe. Uh, yes, uh, Mike Williams, Mikol Hardman, or Michael Gallup on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, that's a really hard one for me, actually. Like I, I love going with the Chiefs receivers, but they they have so many that they're using. And Hardman got completely shut out last week. He only had like two catches in the game. If if did he have two catches, Jesse? You started him, right? How many did, did Hardman have last week? Hardman had two. Like he had a fumble. Yards. It was like negative point two points. Uh, Mike Williams, Charger. I think he is playing. Right? We we found out for sure that he is playing. Um, yeah, he says he's good to go. He has not been as exciting in that. Chargers offense this year, although the Broncos secondary has been pretty bad this year as well, uh, surprisingly so. And then the other option was Michael Gallup on Dallas, who a lot of people were very high on coming into the year. He had a very good first two weeks. I'm actually going to go Gallup on this one because I think he's playing. I think they said he is healthy and playing. Yep, expected to play. I'm going to go Gallup because he was a big, big, big part of that team early. I know the Packers have a better defense, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Gallup out of those three. Jeez. Uh, um. It's a tough one. It is. 14-team league, so it makes sense. Um, I'm probably going to go – yeah, I, I think I might go Michael Gallup as well. No, I'm going to go Gallup. I think I think that's a good, safe play. Uh, need two in a half-point PPR league. Will Fuller, Geronimo Allison, Muhammad Sanu, Mike Williams, Sterling Shepard. Uh, I'm not taking Mike Williams, like I said for the last one. I'm also not taking Muhammad Sanu. So it's between Will Fuller, Geronimo Allison, and Sterling Shepard on that one. Uh, Shepard's been interesting this year because he's, you know, the number one guy with the Giants. So I think you have to play him. He's getting, you know, seven, seven ish catches a game. He's had a couple of touchdowns. So I think you're definitely doing Sterling Shepard there. And then it comes down to Will Fuller and Geronimo Allison. Um, I'm going to go Fuller on that one because of the Kenny Stills injury. I don't 
love the secondary wide receivers for Green Bay, even though I know Devontae Adams is out. Their offense has been so weird passing-wise this year. I'm going to go Fuller. So Fuller and uh, Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, Will Fuller, um, again, with Stills being out, he's going to be the guy. And then Sterling Shepard is the guy since o o D ODB is in uh, Cleveland. Yeah, those two. I, I have a feeling about Fuller this week. It's it's time for him to have a Fuller-type game. This this Houston defense, you, you saw that text, the 27th um, – best offense in the Houston Texans. I, I can't help but believe at some point they're going to get going. This is a great spot against an Atlanta defense that lost Keanu Neal and is reeling on uh, in the secondary for Fuller to get in the end zone, for Hopkins to get in the end zone. I think they start to get going today, um, and you want um, that high-end Fuller. Now, if you want a safer play, if you want a safer play, Sterling Shepard has been good. And you I need think, to pick two. Uh, of two, then, then Fuller and, and Shepard. There Done. you go. Easy, Here we easy. go. Uh, Non-PPR tight end, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, because it's non-PPR and the Raiders are playing the Bears defense. I'm going with Mark Andrews. Yeah. He can't, he can't even hear us. Uh, Mark Andrews. I have to think about it. Uh, I like Andrews this week as well. Okay. Next one is. Oh, God. Where did it go? Uh, Lindsay or Gallman, non-PPR. Hmm. Hmm. Wayne Gallman's the backup running back, by the way, for the Giants, for those who don't know. He actually had a pretty good game last week in replace of Saquon Barkley, who seems to be coming back quicker than expected. Uh, Gallman last week went 18 carries, 63 yards, one touchdown, also had a receiving touchdown. You know what? I'm going to go Gallman on this one. They used Gallman a lot last week. They like to use the running back in their offense. And as we talked about earlier, Lindsey, good, not great. I'll go Gallman for the potential. I like Gallman as well. Yeah, let's go Gallman. He's going to get the work. All right, we got a break. We're going to answer the rest on the text line before the game start. Coming up next, let's dive into the week of the NFL. And our West Coast bias also coming up at 1015, where we will talk about how good Russell Wilson is in that Thursday night game. That is next, Football Sunday on the Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 